I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, joined once again by Spencer Mahone here on The Rebuild. Spencer coming to us from 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland and also Blue Wire Pup, producer, editor extraordinaire. Spencer, excited to have you on the show again today. Hey, man, I'm glad to be back. For sure. Absolutely. Happy to have you back. And we got plenty of Browns news to talk about coming to you with this episode a little bit later in the week than initially planned. But it ended up working out because we got a lot of of news on the Browns uh, in a couple of different ways. So let's actually start with some of the news we got today. The Browns had four players return to practice today that were not practicing before the bye week. Some really encouraging news most notable among them, Nick Chubb, returning from that MCL injury. Uh, he obviously has been on IR for the last six weeks. And he, after injuring that against the Cowboys, and he is back. He will pro- – it looks like he's going to play on Sunday if he's already practicing. But also some other additions include Wyatt Teller, the Browns guard who injured his calf against the Steelers. Austin Hooper was back practicing. And Jacob Phillips the uh, rotational linebacker as well. So four key cogs in the machine getting healthy with that bye week. We talked about it last week, Spencer, how the Browns needed that. My question to you is, is Nick Chubb the most important player returning after this bye, or does one of those other three stand out to you? For me, one of the other three stands out, and it's Wyatt Teller. He's, in my opinion, your anchor to the offensive line. He's the guy you run behind a lot of the time. And, I mean, it's not a knock on Nick Chubb, who's one of the leading running backs in the NFL. But just having Wyatt Teller for Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt to run behind is is such a big deal because if you watch some of the film from earlier in the season, they're doing a lot of pulling on toss plays with Wyatt Teller. And it – it seems to work whenever they pull Teller as the guard as a lead blocker on a toss play. Absolutely. You know, I would love to disagree with you. I was going to potentially disagree with you, assuming you were going to say Nick Chubb, but I I actually a hundred percent agree with you that Wyatt Teller to me is actually the biggest addition coming back to the Browns this week, even over Nick Chubb. I looked up just the kind of the difference because I was looking for it between Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb and then Chris Hubbard and, and Wyatt Teller on pro football focus. And they were pretty much the exact same. Chris Hubbard ranks 14th you know, out of uh, the eligible guards on pro football focus so far this season. And Wyatt Teller ranks number one. And then Kareem Hunt also 14th on PFF's rankings. And I believe Nick Chubb is actually number three three last I looked on the running backs that that was as of a week ago but so the the difference pretty much the same there 
But to me, Wyatt Teller, you know, really the identity of this team is its offensive line. And the only reason I say him over Chubb is, to me, the offensive line has struggled more in Teller's absence than the running game has in Chubb's absence. So I couldn't agree with you more. It's not as sexy as Nick Chubb coming back. I think Nick Chubb is a top three running back in the league, if not the very best. But at the same time, the Browns are just fortunate that they have a guy who's been pretty close to Nick Chubb in his absence. No, I'm right with you, man. And, I mean, going down that list that came that came back this week, Hooper is going to be big because let's say Baker starts. that. That's one of Baker's top targets. And, I mean, that just comes from hours and hours of watching football and, you know, talking with a bunch of the guys over at the fan and just kind of, you know, getting their their viewpoint on things and trying to see it through their eyes. For sure. And I think you, uh, I think most Browns fans who are watching the game on Sunday too can tell Baker loves to use his tight ends. Stefanski loves to use 12 personnel. We've talked about on this show, uh, that on the show many times before. And I, Jordan Zerm, the other host on this feed also, has really talked about that a lot too, that, that Baker loves his tight ends and is more successful from a numbers perspective going to them. So I, I don't think you can understate that as well. OBJ, they uh, officially announced today that he had his knee surgery on that torn ACL and will be out for the remainder of the season, but is expected to come back for 2021. But, you know, getting Austin Hooper back, I think, does mitigate that a little bit uh, to some degree because that's one of Baker's favorite targets for sure. And then, you know, Jacob Phillips, that last option, certainly not a, a household name, but for Browns fans who are paying attention, I'm sure they know him. He, you know, he gets in for about 20% of the snaps for this team. And look, there's been a lot of, Browns fans clamoring for Mac Wilson to be replaced and although I don't think that's going to happen Jacob Phillips is a guy that that could come in and potentially take some of those snaps from Mac Wilson absolutely and I mean it's great to get Jacob Phillips back because that defense has not looked great and I mean we've talked about it before and that's something we're going to continue to talk about well into this offseason and I Right now, you just have to kind of live with how the defense is because last week we talked about them being quiet on the trade deadline, and we talked about how we wanted them to go uh, more defensive, even if it's just a rental. But the offense is just so, dare I say, prolific that you can live with your defense and you can win some of these shootouts. And I mean – this we'll talk about this later when the Texans come to town uh, this Sunday. It's going to be interesting because Deshaun Watson is no slouch of a quarterback, and I feel like you can't take that for granted. And just getting a depth piece like Jacob Phillips back is going to be a big deal. Absolutely, and then I think it also gives the Browns some leeway potentially to use Malcolm Smith more too in that linebacking core, who I've liked you know, former Super Bowl uh, MVP with the Seahawks has been a part of the Browns kind of rotation at linebacker as well. You know, I know those guys are depth pieces and, and not every person watching the game is focusing on them. But frankly, if you're the Browns, I think you got to start looking at those guys potentially as as maybe getting a, a larger share of the snaps uh, as the season goes along, especially as they, you know, are looking to the playoffs and beyond. If they're, if they're in battles down the stretch, they can't afford – you know, somebody like Mac Wilson to be playing as poorly as he has been. He's ranked 83rd out of 85 eligible linebackers right now, according to PFF. That's not good. 
that's not good. And, and look, the Browns are in a battle. We, we can talk about, you know, kind of the, the playoff implications and other things, but you know, the Browns were idle this last week. Things did not go well for them. That Dolphins win and that Raiders win really put the Browns in a, in a battle going forward. So these are going to be some key games down the stretch and they, they need production at that linebacker level. Absolutely. And I mean, this is probably something we can get more into. And I mean, I know you mentioned the playoff race at the moment. The Browns are on the outside looking in. They're eighth. Now, should the season, for whatever reason, be shortened due to COVID-19? There is a 16-team NFL playoff contingency plan that both the NFL and the NFLPA approved earlier today, uh, according to The Athletic. And that's, that's going to be something to think about. Obviously, you don't want to play for number eight and be uh, the first one out. You want to play for one of the seven seeds and just be in on, on merit, essentially, just on how the playoff system is made in the NFL. You don't want to be in that position of, you know, teetering on the fence. Absolutely not. And I think we can certainly touch on some of those playoff implications later on when we preview the Texans. But speaking of COVID-19, I think that's a good place to transition because the other news that came out really – you know, a, a couple of days ago, more so over the weekend, is about how Baker Mayfield is on that COVID-19 list. Now, Baker Mayfield himself did not produce any positive tests, which is a good sign for the Browns. He was in contact with a staff member that tested positive, and that's why he's on that list right now as part of that tracing process. So if all goes well and he tests, you know, continues to test negative, he could return to practice as early as tomorrow, uh, which, of course, I think for most Browns fans, it is something they would enjoy to see. However, and, and maybe it's just because I've spent too much time in the depths of Browns Reddit and Browns Twitter. Spencer, I have seen some Browns fans saying, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing Case Keenum in this offense. I wouldn't mind seeing what he can do going down the stretch. I am not of that opinion, but Spencer, are you interested in potentially seeing Case Keenum on Sunday if, for some reason, Baker Mayfield tested positive and could not go this week? I mean, if that's the case, then I think we're going to end up playing with those cards. Case Keenum knows the offense very well. He's been with Stefanski before. And I don't think by any means he's a bad choice for this offense. Knowing that he's had experience with it, uh, just kind of gives me a little bit of solace. However, I would prefer to see Baker Mayfield just because of, you know, how how Baker can play given the opportunity. Now, again, we've talked about, you know, being a, a system quarterback or being a game manager. I don't think, and I'm going to – I will die on this hill if I need to. I don't think – that's a bad thing. And I, I've talked about it with some people before. Being a system quarterback or being a game manager isn't the worst thing if that's what wins the Browns games. If the Browns end up finishing, you know, 12 and four, or 13 and three, or, you know, whatever the case may be down the line, I wouldn't be mad if, if it's game management as it, it, like in a quarterbacking role. My, my question would be, sure, maybe you're not, you know, uh, you're not opposed to 
system quarterbacking, but to me, that's a problem. You know, what I can't have is the Browns give Baker Mayfield a, you know, an extension where he's getting paid like a top tier quarterback if he's a system quarterback in the same way that Case Keenum is, right? You know, this is a salary cap league after all. You can't be allocating, you know, the assets to Baker Mayfield if Case Keenum's kind of at the same level. And so, I mean, do you, I guess it fundamentally comes down to, you know, if, do you feel, if Case Keenum has to play for this team, are they worse off or are they the same? I honestly think they'd be just the same because Stefanski likes to use his tight ends. And I mean, if Case is able to make the throws to the tight ends, then, you know, the more things change in terms of personnel, I would say the more they stay the same. Now, see, I, I go kind of the other direction. I think actually that Baker Mayfield is, has a higher upside than Case Keenum. I think he can be more than that system quarterback. I think his, his ceiling, you know, and maybe it's, I'm just hanging on to 2018 too much. And I'm look, if, if you're out there and you're saying that may, I hear you, but at the same time, I think he's shown a higher ceiling than Case Keenum ever has. And I know Case Keenum won 13 games with the Vikings, but if you go back and you look at the numbers that Case Keenum put up during that season, a lot of the advanced numbers in particular would tell you it didn't have a lot to do with Case Keenum. I think Baker Mayfield's shown more than that. I don't want to see Case Keenum this Sunday because I don't want to see any more fuel put into the idea that he's a viable option behind Baker. I think not only does Baker have a higher ceiling for this team in the short term, which I want to see because I hope you know, that they're going to try to make a push for the playoffs. But I also think, you know, long-term they need to see what they have with him, which I think is more than Case Keenum. No, I completely agree with you there. And I mean, I was just kind of thinking of the short term, if you have to uh, press Case Keenum into action, it's, it's not bad if, if he can duplicate uh, what Baker has done. And again, maybe it's me holding on to rookie Baker too much and, talking to a lot of Browns fans you know a lot of them still hold on to 2018 Baker Mayfield as you know this is what Baker can be and I I think that's exactly correct and I mean maybe maybe a lot of the other guys that I talked to over at the fan are kind of holding on to that 2018 uh thing as well and I mean it's it's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, I feel like Baker can duplicate that. He just needs to have at least some stability to begin with. I just I, I know people out there are saying, oh, they got film on Baker. People figured out what he likes to do. I'm sorry, but he broke the touch rookie touchdown record. And the things I saw in that 2018 season are are going to make me hang on to Baker uh, as opposed to any other Browns quarterback we've had since this team returned. I I he. I'm just, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt until he proves me wrong. And I think with his coaching staff, there is just, there's only more and more upside. And, you know, I think that starts, you know, with these last eight games, as he continues to get more comfortable in the system, I think we're going to see that down the stretch here. And I'd love to preview this Texans game, Spencer, with you, and we're going to, but first we need to take just a quick break and hear from our sponsors before we continue. This episode of The Rebuild is brought to you by Bet Online. Yes, football is back in full swing. And while you might not be at the game this year, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. 
BetOnline is going to go the extra mile to make sure you can get on, in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team and player coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. I've been doing pretty well on the betting side of things so far, so if you want to and see what I'm doing and feel free to, to visit me at, on Twitter at Henry underscore Ettinger. And, and, you know, one I like this week, Nick Chubb, the over on rushing yards against the Texans. I think some people think that uh, the, the Browns are going to split carries. I think they're actually going to give it to Nick Chubb a lot. So whether it's that or anything else, you can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division championships, championship futures, anything like that, all day, every day. Head to Bet Online and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And just don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE to let them know that you came from us. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. This podcast is also brought to you by Indeed. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. And Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other job sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to help make your search that much easier. For example, sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over three and a half million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try out Indeed with a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now, Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. All right, Spencer, back here on the rebuild. And let's talk about the Browns-Texans game here. Week nine, Browns come into this one five and three off their bye week. Texans come in at two and six. So, you know, at first, of course, on paper, you're thinking this should be a big Browns advantage. However, let me just read you the Texans' losses so far this year, Spencer. Chiefs, Ravens, Steelers. Arguably the top three teams in not almost not even arguably the top three teams in the AFC on probably almost everybody's board. They did lose to the Vikings. That was a a, a bad loss. So the Vikings are surging, uh, beat the Jaguars, and then they lost to the Titans in a close game, 42-36. So that's the top four seeds in the AFC. Uh, oh, excluding the Bills, uh, they're in the lead in their division. But four of the top teams there, and then they lost to the Packers as well. So their two wins are against the Jaguars, not certainly not the most impressive, but their loss is pretty much coming against all, you know, elite teams other than the Vikings. So Spencer, should the Browns be worried at all about this Houston Texans team? I would absolutely be worried. I have to treat them as a serious threat. And I mean, they lost to the Packers, but I mean, if you watch the Packers on film, you're getting 
what one of my friends likes to call a very pissed off Aaron Rodgers. He's playing angry and he's playing so well. He's playing up to the level that I've seen Aaron Rodgers play in those deep playoff runs that the Packers have gone on in years past. And, and you mentioned they also lost to four of the top five teams in the AFC. Now, the Vikings loss is the only loss that you have question marks around, per se, because, you know, they're an under 500 team. But again, they, like you said, they're surging. None of these losses to me, like, say that, like, oh, you know, this was a game that they should have won, where in the Browns case, you have the Las Vegas Raiders game uh, from two weeks ago now, where you have people saying, eh, you know, the Browns kind of had the advantage there and they uh, kind of miffed it there. So where, where does that leave us? And that loss has question marks. There's one or two others that, you know, might have question marks as well on the Browns schedule. I don't have that with the Texans at all. Now, that's why I think the Browns should absolutely be concerned. This is where I get to, you know, Kevin Stefanski won't let this team, you know, play down to the competition like, you know, the Steelers can occasionally do. Interesting. I mean, of course, the Steelers certainly didn't play a close game against the Browns, and that, and that one hurts a little bit. And, and they played a closer game with the Texans. You know, I kind of took your stance at first where I, w- I looked at the Texans and I, and I do think they are a little bit underrated by the public. You know, they're 18th in DVOA. That's higher than the Browns. The Browns are actually 23rd in DVOA. And a lot of the numbers kind of suggest that, hey, this Texans team might not be as bad as you think. And, and if you look at the schedule, it makes a lot of sense. But, but when I looked a little bit deeper into the specific matchups, and all of those things, I started to feel a little bit better about the Browns. And I think it starts on the offensive side of the football with the Browns. You brought up that Vikings game. In that Vikings game, I actually think, you know, the Browns, you know, as much as I hope they're closer to the Ravens and the Steelers in terms of class, they may be closer to the Vikings, but the Vikings were able to run successfully on Houston at the time. I think they had 148 rushing yards in that game, Dalvin Cook was really strong. They kind of had a balanced attack, which is what the Browns like to do. And so I think that's one of those things where you look at it and the Browns are going to have success. They bring Wyatt Teller back. They bring Nick Chubb back. And guess what? The Houston Texans are dead last in rushing defense. So no matter who the quarterback is, I feel good about this Browns offense being able to score points. And I think it's a question of can the Texans keep up? Yeah, that's a good point you make. And I was just going to say, bringing Chubb and bringing Teller back is going to be absolutely huge for this week. And we mentioned last week that you absolutely need Nick Chubb and Wyatt Teller in this lineup for everything to go as smoothly as you want it to. You know, having Wyatt Teller there and Nick Chubb there is going to be big because – you can, you can have Nick Chubb that, that first half, and then, you know, when mid part of the third quarter comes, you can bring in Kareem Hunt or you can 
you know, run some of these gadget plays where, you know, you can put two running backs out on the field. You can split one out wide and still have one in the backfield and you can do all these different things. I just think having Chubb and Teller in the lineup opens up so many more avenues for the Browns to score, not only just in the run, but in the pass as well. Cause I think Teller is as great a run blocker as he is a pass blocker. hundred percent. I think he's a, a phenomenal uh, run blocker. And so I think that's really where, you know, the Browns are going to thrive in this game. I just, Look, I know Romeo Cornell is a defensive coach, but I the Texans front four I think has been you know overrated for a couple of years now. But especially this year, I think Whitney Merciless, I think JJ Watt, they're on the wrong side of the aging curve at this point. I don't think they have the physicality to match this Browns offensive line, and I feel like that's really the only time our offense has struggled is is when we've seen teams be able to match the physicality of our offensive line. It's been pretty much the Steelers, the Ravens, and the Raiders in those three losses. Other than that, I feel like the Browns offensive line has has really dominated a lot of these games and made it pretty easy for Baker Mayfield. And I expect that once again, that's going to happen. And I think that that Kevin Stefanski is going to dial up the play action as well. I think he's, you know, a coaching advantage, frankly, for the Browns. I, I think that's where, you know, they could really have a field day is on the offensive side of the football for sure. Now on the defensive side of the football for the Browns, that's, you know, where they got bullied a little bit against the Raiders. The Texans, not a run heavy team by any means, but Spencer, how do you feel about the Browns matching up with the Texans on that side of the ball? I think the Browns can match up pretty well. They haven't been, great in terms of you know defensive games in in the past because when they lose they lose and they give up 30 points even when they win they give up you know 20 30 35 40 points in in some cases now if the Texans are as pass heavy as I think they're gonna be then I absolutely do not have a problem because I think they're going to end up throwing towards Denzel Ward a lot because I don't think Houston has any highlight receivers. They traded the only highlight receiver that they had to Arizona, and that hasn't helped them at all this season. And it, it's looking like Arizona committed highway robbery on that trade. You're, you're not worried at all about – Sendejo in the secondary, Will Fuller running those deep routes, that, that doesn't concern you? No, that doesn't concern me because, you know, we have Miles Garrett, and if they can cover that up for, you know, three, four seconds at the start, Miles can get into the backfield and, you know, some others can get in on the action. And maybe we can get some sacks and uh, force some takeaways. Because if you can get into the backfield within two to three seconds, you're at least going to force a hurried ball, which we don't even know where that's going to end up going. It might be underthrown, might be overthrown, might just be thrown straight out of bounds. If I'm going to play devil's advocate, I'm going to be thinking that, you know, Watson is a very mobile quarterback and that that's kind of what, you know, this generation of quarterbacks and the generations coming down the line are going to be. But I feel like Watson is a slightly better passer in the pocket than he is on the move. 
So I feel like, you know, just getting him to move around is going to be something as long as you can, you know, cover it up. And I was, you know, I was pressing you a little bit there, but I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of the key to the Browns, you know, game plan on Sunday. And it's pretty much always the key. Like we've talked about, it's Miles Garrett, but he's got a good matchup in this one. Titus Howard, the, the Texans right tackle, grades pretty poorly out so far this season. Zach Fulton, the right guard, also grades out pretty poorly. So if if they slide Garrett over to that left side, I think, you know, he's got a real chance. The left side of the defensive line, of course, attacking the right side of the Texans' offensive line, I think he's got a really good chance to have a field day against Deshaun Watson. They, you know, this team hasn't protected him very well for years. They they traded for Laramie Tunsil, who's showed up one position on that offensive line, but you know, they, they, the Browns, if they move Garrett around, get him in the right matchups, I think he is going to have a really successful day, pending, of course, that he is, you know, healthy coming off the bye week. And that's something, you know, we're going to be watching for as, you know, the week progresses. We're coming up to the middle of this week, and that's usually when you can start kind of, you know, guessing inactives for Sunday. Now, I, I, I still have 100% faith that Miles is going to play. It, it might be intermittently. And if that's the case, you know, Ogan Joby and Olivier Vernon and Sheldon Richardson and some of the other guys on that defensive line are going to have to play a factor in this game. And I mean, if, if I'm being uh, Joe Woods in, in my head, I, I want to stack the left side of that defensive box and then make Watson move to his weak side, his left side, and see if we can get him, you know, throwing out of bounds or, or throwing down the sidelines. I don't want any of the balls unless, you know, they're able to run the ball up the middle. I don't want that ball being in the middle of the field between the numbers because I feel like, that is where the Browns are going to struggle a little bit. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, stacking up the that side of the off, uh, the defensive line. I think it'll be interesting to see you know, how often the Browns blitz in this game. They haven't blitzed as much under Joe Woods as they have under previous defensive regimes. And I think it'll be interesting to see, especially if Garrett's not playing his usual rate, to see how much they, they decide to bring extra pass rushers and really put – the, the Texans offensive line under some pressure versus, you know, it, that of course could burn you if they, they can hit on some of those deep shots to Will Fuller if you don't get home. So I think that's a, a cat and mouse game to watch if you're a Browns fan going into this one. But Miles Garrett was back at practice today. You know, uh, uh, it's Kevin Stefanski hinted even at the time of the injury that they thought he'd be back, you know, and ready to go for this game. But it, it's, other than that, we don't have any more information about the exact snap count that he is going to play. You know, if he's at full bore, I, I just think that the Browns are going to be able to turn the Texans one-dimensional like most other teams have. Yeah, and, and that's that's going to be the key is turning them one-dimensional. And I honestly think that Joe Woods is going to blitz a fair bit more. And, you know, they might throw some, you know, stunts in there some occasional corner blitzes or, you know, secondary blitzes, which if you can dial those up at the right time, 
those are going to be big plays in, in the game because I, I know Denzel Ward's a headhunter. You just have to, you know, play that cat and mouse game and, and guess right in, in that case. And let's, you know, as we wrap up here, Spencer, I just have, you know, one more question for you, really, which is, you know, the Browns, the Browns officially have enemies now. It looks like the Dolphins and the Raiders are going to be the people that uh, are the teams that the Browns are competing with to secure those final two spots. Uh, it, it looks like, you know, the whoever, you know, prevails between the Ravens and the Steelers, the other one will take one of the wild card spots. And unless the Dolphins catch the Bills, uh, it'll be it'll be them, the Raiders, and the Browns battling. So, my question to you is: Just how important is this game for the Browns? Rank it on a scale of one to ten, being one not at all important, ten being an absolute must win. I would go six, approaching must win territory. Now, if you lose, I think then you kind of pigeonhole yourself in into uh you know having five year last seven games be must win with you know two of them being against divisional opponents and in my opinion divisional opponents are almost always must win games so down the line you already have two you can get off to a good start now and not have you know five year last seven games be almost mandatory must wins uh, starting this weekend if they can get a win. I'm going even higher. I think it's an 8 out of 10. I, if the Browns lose this game, I think they're in real trouble not to make the playoffs. Now, I, I think I've outlined why I feel pretty decent about the Browns' chances in this one, but I felt decent you know, against the Raiders, too, and I got plenty of messages saying you know, I jinxed them with you know, my confidence going into that game. So I'll go back to being the pessimistic Browns fan that I usually am, and, and I think this one is, is scary because – Look at who they're competing with. I mean, if you look at the Raiders schedule, it's got the Jets left on it. You know, they do have the Chiefs, but Falcons, Jets, Chargers, uh, you know, not a lot there. And then you look at the Dolphins, they've got the Bengals left, the Patriots left, and the Jets left. And, and, you know, they also have the Chiefs, but the Browns have the Ravens and the Steelers. So the teams they're running up against have pretty easy schedules the rest of the way too. Now the Browns fall into that camp, but that means, you know, they really got to capitalize on, on the opponents that they can. And as I think we we've kind of talked about so far, this, this is a good matchup. I don't think the Browns can afford to give this one away because, you know, the rest of their schedule is pretty weak, but you know, the Eagles are still going to be in contention. They're not going to be giving away those games. And, you know, of course, the Ravens and the Steelers are going to be fighting. I think the Browns face a, a little bit of an uphill climb here if, if they lose. Uh, so I think this one you really, really, really got to be thinking the Browns need. So I'm going to say 8 out of 10. The Browns will really need this one uh, if, they, if, if the goal is to make the playoffs, which I think it is. Oh, it absolutely is their goal to make the playoffs. And really quickly before we end off here, I'm going to cite the one game that I'm – probably going to be 10 out of 10 worried about and I think it's a game that you're going to have to win it's going to be you know one of those three or four games that I call absolute must wins it's against the Tennessee Titans in the first week of December that isn't that's an absolute must win because I think it can end up being a trap game interesting I see I I kind of I I'll push back there I think that's probably this 
that's actually the game I would put the least importance on. I think the Titans are a good team. And I think, honestly, I, I'm just kind of almost counting that one as a loss in the Browns column. I think the divisional games would be more important and then taking care of the easier opponents on their schedule, the Jets, the Giants, you know, Philly, Jacksonville. I think those are more important if they're going to get in this playoff race than beating Tennessee. And in my thought process, it was saying that Tennessee is going to be one of those really important games is if you can handle Tennessee seeing that they're, as we mentioned, one of the top five teams in the AFC, I think you can handle the rest of the easier teams on this schedule. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I see that, but I, I just think the Browns, it's really more so to me about taking care of business against the teams below you. Uh, I just think Tennessee is also a bad matchup. I think the Browns are going to struggle with Derrick Henry. If we saw the, you know, how that our defensive line held up versus the Raiders, I can only imagine what it's going to be like in that game. So the, my pessimistic side will definitely come out here in the sense that I think the, the Browns are going to face a real uphill battle there. I almost like their chances better against their divisional opponents than Tennessee. That one, Boy, I uh, yeah. Well, I I don't feel great about it, but you know, that's a conversation for down the line. I think you know we'll have plenty of time to preview that game, yeah, you, know, uh, you know, and coming up in a couple weeks. So first, one game at a time, as they say. Want to know every week is the Northwestern coach loves to say my my former alma mater, Pat Fitzgerald, basically says that about every single press conference. Want to know every week. So that's where they got to start. They've got Houston on Sunday, Spencer. Other than that, I think we're about done here. Do you want to just give any plugs about your work, your social handles, et cetera, before we sign off? So I'm up at 92.3 to fan. Again, you can follow me on Instagram at Spence Mahone, all one word. And I think, you know, having the running side of thing on my Instagram is, you know, a good reprieve from anything else that's, going on sports wise that could otherwise if you're a Browns fan like we are you know stress you out a little bit (laughs) absolutely absolutely yeah all right that's going to do it for this edition of the rebuild look for an episode on this feed as well later in the week from Jordan Zerm we're going to continue to kind of be sharing this one he's doing great work kind of preparing you for the games on Sunday with his show late in the week and then we'll be back after that uh, game against the Texans to talk about what happened and and assess the Browns uh, from there so until then everybody stay safe out there and I just have two words for you go Browns